it's play. And, and when I remember to stay in that kind of innocent mindset, to curious, to see what happens next and to try everything I know or don't know and just play with it, things work out. Welcome to Inside Out Career Design. In this show, we're obsessed with answering a single question. Is it possible to create an authentic, meaningful, and fulfilling life you love while building a successful and rewarding career? My name is Peter Axtell, and I'm here with Nicola Vetter. We're co-founders of the whatsnext.com Career Insights Platform and creators of the groundbreaking Motivation Finder Assessment. Join us as we seek to transform suffering into joy for millions of people stuck and confused in their lives and careers. We'll share our insights, discoveries, and life lessons and talk with career experts, leaders, spiritual guides, psychologists, data scientists, coaches, anyone who might hold a strategy or answer to the age-old questions of what's next for me and what should I do with my life? Are you trying to figure out what to do with your life? To figure out what to do with the precious time you've been given on this earth? Or to figure out what only you as a remarkable and unique individual can bring into this world? If you are, please join us for one of our live and completely free online workshops where we cover different topics to help you figure out what to do with your life and career without wasting precious time, taking wild guesses, or risking it all. To save your spot in our next live and free workshop, go to whatsnext.com forward slash workshops. We can't wait to see you there. Again, that's whatsnext.com forward slash workshops. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inside Out Career Design Podcast. Our guest today is Sharon Cowley. Sharon is a creative educator, preschool owner and lifelong learner. But she had a quite different career before she stepped into this unexpected new adventure 25 years ago. And working with you, Peter, to discover her North Star three years ago has helped her develop a powerful language around her mission to empower kids to discover their superpower so that they have the courage to try anything. And not only kids. Today she thrives in the beautiful, chaotic, messy process of creativity that she teaches children and adults. That's why we were curious to hear more from Sharon. And in our conversation, we talk about how a visit to a psychic for fun turned out to predict that she would leave her job and start a whole new career. Why an open, curious and playful mindset is critical to moving forward. Why she thinks beauty and creativity are born out of chaos. Why her view on failing offers such relief. Why for setting and attaining goals, it's so helpful to draw from everything you've experienced and then play with it. 
how she uses the worst-case scenario tactic to determine if a goal is worth pursuing, and how everyone has a superpower. And now it's time to listen and learn from Sharon. Welcome, Sharon. You know, you've been in our mastermind group for over five years now, ever since Nicola invited you in, and we've developed a deep connection. And so you told us an hilarious story the other day about a psychic that was a starting point of a big what's next moment for you. So we'd like you to share that story. Yes. For years, I had been in the um, restaurant industry and I had, since I was young, always worked with um, adult women teaching them how to read through this um, organization run by these nuns in one of the cities close to me. And as I came back to the East Coast and was working in a restaurant, I, it was a, a point in my life where I was really trying to figure out what, what was next, actually, and what I was going back to school for and what I was going to do or what I wanted to do. And people were trying to get me to do all sorts of things. And one of them was to teach. And I didn't think I wanted to be in a school system or to teach at all. Um, I, I had a, I had other ideas, art therapy, maybe occupational therapy. And a couple of uh, customers kind of goaded me into it. They dared me into going into a school and trying it. And I was on that journey. <laughs> I started and I really didn't think I was going to stay, but I was a friend of mine wanted to go to a psychic and um, we did. And she said, if you're if you're not out of the restaurant business by October 16th, <laughs> um, and this was like eight months prior, um, you will be you you will be moving on. And and I just did not under believe her because there's no way that I was leaving like my income, my what I knew, I did it well. So, um, but lo and behold, October 16th rolled around and I'm really bad at time. I never even know what month it is half the time. And um, the owner of the restaurant at the time that I was working in, and I had a little disagreement <laughs> and um, he replaced me. And it was on that day that uh, like he called me to another one of his restaurants and said, I'm taking you out of this restaurant and um, uh, you're not going to manage it anymore. And you can work here part time if you want. But he, he didn't like the fact that I had a job in a school system as well. And um, and I said, no, I'm done then if, if this is how you feel, I'm, I'm done. And I was driving home crying, thinking, wait what's today's date? And I had, it was the days of before cell phones of time and temp. I had to go home and call from the, the phone on the wall um, what to find out what day it was. And then I had to look for that tape to make sure that I was correct in what she had said or what I remembered. And sure enough, they moved me on October 16th. And that was the day I, for real, started only teaching. <laughs> so, yeah, crazy. Well, Sharon, how did you go from the restaurant business to teaching kids and now owning a I school? Know, right? I know. it's It was not, well, service industry, I think of, I still think of um, schools as service to not only the children, but to families. So it was kind of easy on that way. And I've always been 
really creative. So art has always been my favorite thing. So as I started off in this venture, I started as an aide in a school that was the dare to go in and just see if I would like the system or I wanted to, if I could work with kids. I didn't even show up with a resume. I, I don't even know how this principal even spoke to me, um, but she did. And, um, and then again, that lovely phone on the wall, uh, she said, thank you very much, blah, 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 talk to you later. Um, and I drove out of there very proud of myself that I, I did what they asked me to do and I was off the hook. And by the time I was opening my door, the phone was ringing and she's like, can you start tomorrow? And I'm like, no, I, but of course I couldn't say no. I took an hour of this woman's time. So yeah, she's like, just stop by the police station and get fingerprints and you're all set. And I'm like, what? So I have no idea except for the, that like I was, I, I, asked for it and I got it and then I had to figure it out. So that year was interesting and fun. But but from there, when people found out I was actually now out of the restaurant business and doing this, um, other schools that were starting, like a charter school, for instance, um, was looking for an art teacher, so called me. And I had always done, like I said, inner city work with adult women in reading, but I also did some family work with um, art projects and things like that. And then I worked for a um, almost like a fresh air fund. It's called um, Horizons Enrichment Program, which she was, she was the turning point for me and everything and why I wanted to stay with kids. She was incredible, this woman, um, Lynn McNaught. She was, she's got to be the best person on the planet. <laughs> um, and she started this um, organization out of a private school and um, it, it helped inner city children with enrichment um, because they weren't getting access to the things that private schools or, or wealthier communities had in their school systems and me being one of them. So art, music, um, swimming. And so I had been doing that a little while right before this. And, um, and I realized, yeah, I kind of want to go in that direction and I want to stay. So I took an art position. Then I went and worked with, um, the school that she was working out of, um, and then from there, a preschool called me and said, can you please come do this? I, I have a, I have trouble saying no. So that's how it, it went. Um, and then one thing led to another and I just um, kept up with it. If I needed a degree at that point, I went and got a degree if I needed a, so that's how it went. And then by the time I finished my master's, I was a little tired of school systems and red tape. <laughs> so um, I was going to start something else, but parents asked if I would continue at least the art classes or the enrichment for preschool children in one of the towns. And, um, and I did, and I started with four classes. I figured I'd be there till Christmas. And by Christmas, I had 12 classes. And then after that, one thing led to another and I, this, they, nobody left. So they would stay all day. So I ended up starting a preschool there. And then this building, this opportunity came nine years ago and I I now have this space. Okay, so why do people come to you? Teaching others to to thrive as creative beings is your passion, right? So whether mm -hmm. it's in the classroom, teaching children, building curriculum or training teachers, writing stories or developing learning platforms, what drives you to do all of that? 
it's play. And, and when I remember to stay in that kind of innocent mindset, to curious, to see what happens next and to try everything I know or don't know and just play with it, things work out. I, I forget for myself often, but it's what I do for children all the time. So as a matter of fact, I was speaking with one of my um, younger employees and she is very stressed right now. Um, she has, a, you know, um, a lot on her plate for a young girl and she's still trying to manage school. And I'm like, you know, something's got to give. And, and why you're rushing the school part now, like, especially college. Yes, you need college if it's a licensable job. But besides that, like, you can educate yourself in many ways. And why rush through something and stress yourself out when the end goal is to, like, have built this life and have a career and, and enjoy your life? Why don't you do that while you're going? You And, and so, same for me. Like, that's what I, I keep trying, I, I keep having to remind myself, just like the kids, you learn best through play, you f function best in play, things, more opportunities, you just see more things available to you. Um, and it's just keeping yourself in that mindset. And it's not easy, believe me, um, especially for adults. So on that theme, so the people, the theme of this podcast is people trying to figure out what to do next with their life and, and career. And so I want you to talk about, we've just talked about play is entered the conversation. And I know that your approach to life is to be bold and to embrace new experiences while also thoughtfully planning and solving problems. So can you expand on that with someone who's trying to figure out what's next in mind and then throw the idea of play in this whole mix? And let's talk about that. Well, for me, I realize, and this is what I try to show children because especially it's easy with children because you're, you're building like the little, almost if you think of yourself or them as a computer, you're building little files that they're putting their experiences in so that they can go back and draw off of those memories to create something else. So it's the, it's that open mindset. It's that play mindset of playing with all those experiences. And then what can you do? So in with children, you do that naturally. Like you have to, it, expose them to experiences and, and, and things, and you learn best through emotion and play and having fun. And it just, and, and hands-on where it connects to something you're understanding. But for adults, it's the same. It's just, we don't think of it that way. So like our goals, like I set myself goals, not even regular goals, but daily goals. And, and actually now is a good example. So I broke my, you know, I broke my leg and my ankle and I've been stuck in, this office for months. Um, but I'm now getting, so each week, instead of getting frustrated with the pain and the, and the learning how to do new things and, or how to do the same thing in a different way, not to cause pain or more injury. I realized I have a main goal for each week, but I don't know how I'm getting there. <laughs> like, so I'm going to draw off of everything else I've experienced and play with it and try. So if I don't have a goal written where it's do A, B, C, D, and then achieve this, it, it those don't 
first of all, I find myself, I procrastinate myself through them because that's usually, I, I, there's, I'll find resistance somewhere. But if I just have a main idea of where I want to go, the way to get there, there's thousands of ways to get there. I mean, literally at one point I was laughing at myself because I was looking at something across the room and I'm like, wonder if I'm going to learn telekinesis by this point because I really want that thing over here and I can't get there. So how am I going to get that to me? So, you know, it's, it's that type of thing where it's, I have goals and I show even kids, I'm like, what's the main point of this? What's the goal that you want to achieve? Um, even with my conversation with my um, young employee the other day, I'm like, what's your main goal? And then how do you get, what does that look like? There's, there could be thousands of ways it looks like, and one could be easier than the next, and you won't know until you play with it. Failing at, the idea of failing is, so what? I went this path that I didn't like it. Let's check another one. I don't look at it as failing. I just look at it as like, okay, wrong path. Let's try something else. So to be clear, it sounds like what you're saying is that week by week you have, I think, maybe one main goal. You're not trying to do 10 different goals and thinking you're going to, it's one main goal that you're going to focus on for that week. Is that the lesson here? I like one thing, especially time. I, Time and I, I just don't, I don't, and it's not that I don't like time. I just don't have a concept of time very well and I don't pay attention to it. On that note, even having three things gets overwhelming sometimes for me. So I give myself, what's my main thing this week? So it's made me realize that if I take the rest of my tasks instead of the the thousand things I've had on my to-do list prior, this slowed me down. So now I realize, okay, if I do it this way, look, I get big things accomplished. You said something profound at the beginning of our interview saying that I don't know. And that is actually how we would say a friend of learning. The enemy of learning is, well, I know that, you know. <laughs> so mm -hmm. to, to leave room for the I don't know within the one thing that you are doing and then have all of what the universe might want to throw in come to you is, I think, very helpful. I will tell everyone what I'm thinking and my decisions and because I want all their input. I might not take all of their input. I might have ideas of where I want to go, but I want to see other people's opinions because there's a lot of things you just, by thinking you know everything, you, you, you miss everyone else's perspective. And some of it's brings you incredible clarity because even if they're wrong, you learn something about why it's important. It's that whole operating from innocence. And it's so hard. How beautiful. Operating from innocence. I love that. Yeah. Let me ask the question, in what way does preparing for the worst case scenario mm -hmm. enhance one's sense of control and empowerment? That's one of the things that you throw in there that's the reason i find it easy to look at going down the wrong path or what some people might think of as failure not as failure because when i set an intention for myself or a goal for myself or and i researched 
if it, especially if it's a big life-changing goal and I've researched or I fi- figured how do I fit into this or how does this fit into my life of what I know or what I have to do. Well, I set my direction, but I always play out what's the worst case scenario? <laughs> what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen? And if I can come to terms with how to either avoid that or be okay if that happens, then that's the goal to start pursuing. And then on the other hand, I happen to know that one of your favorite stories is Alice in Wonderland. And you once told me that what you liked about Alice is that she's always on an adventure and she just keeps going down the rabbit hole. So let's contrast that with Right. And it doesn't mean she didn't cry her way through some of that, but she kept going. <laughs> and it was a game. And if you realize those two, it's a game. And that's the other thing. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this. So my father always used to say to me, because I would drive my father nuts, especially when I was younger. And he's like, this is all a game to you, isn't it? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is. It's all a game. But it is. And when you lose track of that, then you get overwhelmed and frustrated and crazy. And maybe it's because I'm a highly competitive person. It's a game. I, what I like about her is the bravery and the creative thinking in the moment. Because <laughs> when you literally stand and it's like, oh my, okay, what's around me? <laughs> what do I do? It's because you thrive in the beautiful chaotic and 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 Mm -hmm. messy process of creativity right i think great not only great beauty but everything creative comes out of chaos you need to embrace that kind of energy in life otherwise where are you going to get and that's fine too if you just want to sit and and enjoy what you have and creating what you want around you and and enjoying every moment of that and not creating anything else but i think the whole creation mode brings a lot of messiness with it it really does and and then the big question you're always asking yourself is where do i find my center in chaos and and people who are trying to figure out what's next are often in chaos and uncertainty so what would you suggest they do I've talked to, to a lot of people about this, especially now that, us, you know, um, a lot of my friends and I are getting older and, and our lives have changed a lot. And I said, I always joke about one day I'm going to do a podcast called Ohm and Ice Cream because in chaos, there's great beauty. So where do you find your center in that? And some could be through meditation and like I, I have done a lot of work lately in meditation, breath, breath work, um, visualization, tapping for the children also. Like I bring it to the children and what we're doing. And that brings me great <laughs> centeredness. But on other, if, other times, it could be ice cream and Netflix. <laughs> like it's where, what, needs, what you need to like calm your mind and center yourself again where you are so that you can reassess and see, you know, what, what, what tools do I have? What are, what are all my strengths? What achievements do I have? And how can I put those together to do something next? So it's been nearly three years since we had some coaching sessions to discover your North Star, which is to empower kids 
to discover their superpower so that they have the courage to try anything. Gives me goosebumps, Sharon. That is so inspiring. So what is the positive change you've experienced by knowing your North Star? To realize that, like all of us, not only I always say kids have superpowers um, and you just have to find your superpower. Because when you're teaching, especially diversity or kindness or empathy to children, you do it through, you know, the lens of we're all different, yet we're all the same and there's there's good and everything, etc. But everyone has that superpower. And I, as I tell children, even if they don't feel like they do or they look at other children, that could be, you know, a bit of, you know, a problem to them that they don't have a superpower. They do. They absolutely have a superpower. You can use every superpower for good or evil. That's what, that's the, I mean, look at every superhero. You have a superpower. You can use it for good or evil. So how are you using your powers today? Like how all the things that I'm like really good at or, or talented or interested in, or even moderately you know, able to perform, how am I doing that for the best of myself and everybody else around me today? And if you can get through the day, like feeling, okay, I did the best for everybody. That's a huge superpower in and of itself. It's remembering it for yourself. So imagine that we're sitting in a group of adults. I'd be really curious about what you notice when you are talking to adults with regards to their superpower. It's a good question because I find that you teach children, especially that middle age ch- years, not to, because of social media and everything these days, not to depend on other people's perspective or other people's opinions of them. However, in a, for adults, especially with superpowers, you need to you need to see those reflected in somebody else's eyes or perspective because you don't see what other people see in you. And um, I find that a lot. People just don't know. They don't, they take for granted what they do well or they have to do or they get through as, you know, they just take it for granted that they've done it or it was a struggle and they made it and they put it in the past. But they don't see all of that talent and all of that not only experience, but what they what they can pull from that and help others with that that they've done so much and and so with with adults it's more like you have to start with pointing out how others see them and what you've seen that you kind of have to go through what they've done so you have to take assessment of their lives through someone else's perspective to get them to sit down it's hard. I mean they can do it for themselves but I don't think people are honest enough with themselves that way because I don't think they see, even if it was a huge struggle and they got through, they don't see the the things in that, that, that they were really able to accomplish, like what skills they have to do those things. But speaking about COVID, you definitely uh, pulled together your superpower in order to get through that whole thing because of school closings and so on. So you had to navigate somehow 
around those challenges? That when COVID hit, that was the first time in my life that something happened and I felt like I was looking at a big black abyss. Because as much as I like to say I operate from a curiosity standpoint, there's a thousand things <laughs> spinning in this head of possibilities. So that's why I'm like, okay, I don't know. We'll try them all. However, that point in time, there was nothing. Almost as if there's no hope Like for a moment there. I was really surprised at my my own reaction. But then, as I said to you before, I don't do well with time. One of the one of the superpowers that I ended up coming out of that, I mean, I literally had my whole front wall around the door entrance lined with calendars and people like, okay, um, expose this one thing out. I mean, learned how to track everything. I felt like I got my medical degree in the first year of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> things you never want to know, you know? Like I love things it. You, like I could, I could tell you down to the moment. I'm like, they're going to test positive then. They're going to, it was crazy. And I was like, who knew I would ever know that? that oh, yeah. Way to put a positive spin on it, Sharon. <laughs> yeah. Now, on another note, you advise people to, to ask the question, what makes me happy? And I believe that you might have asked that question during COVID as well. You, you say it can't just be about having a job, but how does that translate into also being able to pay the bills? Exactly. And that's, and that's where you really have to figure out what the things that you enjoy, how you can either bring that to whatever you're doing or make money from, from doing that. And, and, and a lot of that too is that big picture goal. Like I was, for instance, my conversation the other day with the young employee, she's had a lot on her plate for a, many years now because, and she's the caregiver in um, a group of adults that are quite sick. And there's not a lot of time left for that. And she is so focused on the things society says. You need a four-year degree. You need a career. You need a... And I'm like, but what's the big goal? What makes you happy? What are you, You're setting this up for what? A family and, and a, a, you know, a good life. You need to take that time now because she's on a time line which is horrible. So we talked a lot about that. And like, you need support. So let us be your support um, because you can't do it alone. So it's those type, you have to find those types of situations to really figure out, okay, what's my big, what's the biggest goal? Not only what's the worst case scenario, what's my biggest goal? And my biggest goal is, you know, in the end to be happy. Does that mean to be in a family? Does that mean my my biggest goal is, you know, owning my own business? Does it mean um, working in a not-for-profit and doing, you know, like I have a mom that went back to work and she works for an organization that helps place um, the uh, children that have been um, taken from their parents at the borders in foster care and helping them. Um, so, and that, that, I mean, in the, in the chaos of her life with young children and, and trying to make ends meet, she finds incredible amounts of joy, even though it's not a joyful job because it's very heart wrenching at times. It's 
she finds purpose in that. And that goes a long way too. So yes, um, you need to make obviously money. Like they say money doesn't buy you happiness, but yeah, it buys you peace of mind to be able to, you know, function. So yes, you have to make money. So you're not only in education, but also a lifelong learner. And as the world goes forward and at a pace that we've never seen before, people are well advised about up-leveling their skills and continuing to learn. So you are an expert in adult education. And what is your advice for adults on how to learn? Again, you really have to do things that you're interested in. Now, my goal for the next company is not only to keep bringing all my knowledge and education to a wider audience through, so it's early childhood education as well as curriculum and to help teachers and parents, but it's to be virtual so that I can do it from anywhere in the world. That's my biggest goal so that I'm independent, location independent, and I don't have to worry about time. Huge goal. I will get there. Now, that being said, for the education part of what I have to learn is now it's, you know, software that I might not necessarily want to do, but I need to learn it to get there. So for adult education, it's it has to relate to that long-term goal. Um, and as I have told the younger people that work for me, at this point, college unless it's a, a licensed degree, lawyer, doctor, teacher, um, you can learn anything, um, even from colleges online, but you don't necessarily need the degree. So you create, you, you curate that. Like you don't have to follow a path anymore. So you curate your interests and you learn from there. It's all about experience more than it's about that little piece of paper that says from somebody else that says you've completed something because what have you gotten out of it? So especially as an adult, you, you, it, you really have to connect to that because otherwise you can easily as an adult plow through any type of course, produce it and, and, and then have gained nothing. I'm sure you have some ideas. Don't adults learn in different ways? Some read books or they do it kinesthetically or they go on courses. What are your thoughts about someone says, okay, I have to go learn. Is there some strategies that you could teach our audience about how to learn or how to pick the right way to learn? There are different types of learning styles. Some are auditory, some are visual, like you were saying. Some, are, some need to be in a group. I need to bounce ideas off of other people as well. That's why I actually like the virtual world, especially for adults. COVID has brought a lot of good things like that that are now mainstream. So you can find all of that. So you can, if say if you're on an online course or you find a community, there's multiple ways of connecting with them. Uh, even though people say it's it's you don't want to be online all the time. Look, truthfully, we have never met in person, though I feel more connected with you guys over the last few years than I have with people that I work with every day. So you can find those connections and you can use the style that you need. Like if it's an online course or, or a book, you can do it. Uh, <laughs> like I cook a lot. I love to cook. So I, I'm doing something I love 
and I'm listening to a book at the same time. So it's coming in with an, uh, I'm in a different heightened um, emotion. So it's easier for me to connect to the material. Again, if you look at it, I look at it as, and this is what I teach teachers, is purposeful play for children. Children learn through play. And why they learn through play is because there's different um, types of communication. There's different types of learning styles available at all times. So you can do it hands-on. You can do it visually. You can do it by listening to someone else or speaking, communicating your ideas. Same for adults. You've got to just figure out what you're comfortable with, but find a way to play with it. Because if you're in play mode, and, and play mode is, is truly where with a purpose, you have a purpose, you want to gain a skill, you want to um, explore an idea, but you're playing with it where you're trying multiple different things um, to see what sticks and to see what sparks the next form of curiosity. Because um, if you don't go into it that way, if you go into it with, um, like my friend I was speaking of, which she's like, but I've always been told I have to, especially in this community, you have to get a four-year degree. I just need that under my belt so I can be done with it. You, what good is it to you? Why? You don't. You need to play. You need to enjoy your life. It has to fit in. I think what you're also saying, if I hear you right, is you're, it could be reframing. So let's take about a lot of people that say they have a phobia about learning new technology. I don't want to. So that's a great way to look at it. I say, wait a minute, if I reframe this, I thought I don't like new technology, but what if I take this new technology, I have to learn how to do X, and I approach this from how could I play with regards to learning this new technology that I had this assumption that I don't like. I think that's a great lesson. It makes it easier to think back, if you hear play, to think back at what you, what you were going through as a child. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, you might be learning easier. Yeah. Plus this day and age, everything changes so fast that I, I literally have to remind people and especially adults, not ch children, because and adults will do this a lot. Ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? In five years, we might have completely different. How do you know? Like, how do you know? And I want to help build not only children, but the adults these days that not that just can't consume the next thing. So yes, I can learn that software that I don't want to learn. And I might be afraid of it because I think I'm going to fail. Big deal. There's going to be another software to, you know, two months later, that's so much easier. So what? I tried. I didn't love this. This is what I didn't love about it. Let me go find something that, or let me create something. Look at the people that create what doesn't work for them. Canva is a really good example. I love Canva, that woman who created that. I, I bless her every day. Like, oh my God, thank you for making my life so easy. She couldn't find what she wanted in learning whatever technology she was trying to use to do. And she created it for all of us. I mean, hello. So I would like to create those types of children that don't just know how to use what's out there or know the knowledge that's out there. Everything's at your fingertips. Ask Siri. You know what I mean? I want them to create the next big thing or create something that helps not only themselves, but somebody or humanity on some level. Wouldn't that be fun? You know, same with adults. And I think that's like, a great place to stop. That's beautifully said. How does it work Thank for you? you? If it Sharon. doesn't work for you, why? And then go find that why somewhere else or 
or create it. And there you go. There's your next big thing. <laughs> right? That's how people make the most money. Fixing fixing a problem. And I I know that you're also a big believer in following your intuition. So as we move towards the end of this interview, uh, what could you teach someone in our audience who's trying to figure out what's next about intuition? Intuition for me is listening, like really listening, not only listening to what you, what people say is yourself. So meditation helps. Yes. Quieting yourself helps, but I always keep listening to my answers or to, or watching what I procrastinate or what I do easily. What's the bit, what do I really want? What's going to make me happy in this moment or overall, what's my big, what's my goal? What's my big why? Like you were saying, so what does that look like today? And if I listen to that, then you get a good feeling of what's a yes and what's a no. You you, you got to learn what you're feeling, what your yeses feel like, sound like, and look like. And that means looking at the things that frustrate you the most and and either saying, okay, I learned something, so now I can, I can use that as a tool. So that's, I, I, I intuitively now can say like, okay, it's going to feel like this, but I know I'm going to get there. Or like, that's a big no. <laughs> Teaches you your yes and your no. We are following my intuition more and more in our business now. So now, is there anything, Sharon, that we didn't touch on? I bet there is, but something that you really wanted our audience to know. The whole idea of play. I think we really are here to connect with each other and to enjoy your, not only your life, but life amongst a community. Community is huge important for us as humans and to play with it like to if if play isn't involved in that en that energy of joy isn't there no matter what it is that you're trying to do not that it's worthless but you're just gonna it's gonna take you so much longer to get where you want to go why play you just have to find what play is to you too remember it's a game we hope you enjoyed this interview my big takeaway was how everyone has a superpower. And if you can say at the end of the day, I did my best, that's a superpower. And mine was how adults need to see their superpowers reflected in the eyes of someone else. Because you don't see what others see in you. I definitely see a superpower in you. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> to learn more about Sharon, head to whatsnext.com forward slash 26, where we share the transcripts, links, and more. Again, that's whatsnext.com forward slash 26. And if you like what you've heard, share it with someone you care about and subscribe, rate, and review our Inside Out Career Design Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or watch it on our YouTube channel, What's Next Com, one word, no dot. 
and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining us here today. We'll see you next week for another episode, same time, same place.